Olá pessoal, tudo bem? And welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we talk to the builders, entrepreneurs, and influencers from the Brazil crypto ecosystem. I'm your host, Aaron Stanley, and today I'm joined by João Zecken, who is the co-founder of Fuse Capital, a venture capital firm based in Rio de Janeiro. Before we jump in, I'd like to say a quick thank you to our partner for this episode, which is the HBAR Foundation. HBAR Foundation works to support growth across the Hedera Hashgraph ecosystem. If you're an entrepreneur in Brazil or the LATAM region, and you have a cool project or an idea that needs some help scaling or just getting started, I highly recommend taking a look at these guys. They have several different grant funds in operation that are seeding projects across DeFi, FinTech, NFTs, and sustainability. And they've got a lot of other resources to help you out on your journey. So please do head over to hbarfoundation.org to take a look and learn more. With that, I'd like to welcome João to the show. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Uh, really excited to talk to you and, and your listeners. I hope I can aggregate some, some knowledge. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate the time. So to get started, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and Fuse Capital? For sure. So I started off in traditional finance. Uh, when I was in, in college, I had a, a hedge fund with some friends. I ended up doing a lot of debt trading for this fund. Uh, was pretty successful. Then was invited to to do debt trading for a bank in, in Miami. Left college, didn't get to finish my economics degree. Um, while I was in Miami, I started doing a helicopter export business in parallel to my, my full-time job. So that was my first entrepreneurial adventure. Um, and back in 2012, I came back to Brazil to set up one of the first uh, VC private equity firms in Rio. Um, and have been doing that ever since, right? So I left that firm in 2014, started doing more proprietary investments, uh, invested along a couple of, of companies that were pretty successful, like Loggy, like uh, ZDog. In late 2019, joined with Giga to found a Fuse Capital um, to bring this kind of different model of investment uh, to the, the venture capital scene in Brazil. Amazing. Maybe talk a bit about what that vision looks like of Fuse Capital, and then how are you guys differentiated from other VCs in the region? And then what's your focus on crypto specifically vis-a-vis -vis other verticals? Yeah, so the first point is we are not a VC, right? I think this is super important. We are a tech investment house. That's part of the design of, of, of what we're setting up because we are, since we are founded and, and created in, in traditional finance, right, all of the partners at Fuse, we feel very comfortable investing across asset classes um, and not just equity like a traditional VC. So our mission here is to, is to bring innovation to the investment scene uh, when talking about uh, tech investments, right? So our first fund is a hybrid fund. So invest in, in debt and in equity, which is very different than what most funds do. And when we were in 2012, uh, we decided to tokenize the, the shares of the fund. So we issued an STO, right? A security token offering. Um, and we tokenize these shares as a, a means of having liquidity for a closed-ended fund, right? So I think that's totally different than what everyone is doing. We didn't have a strategy for digital assets and crypto when we started off Fuse. Uh, we were kind of more traditional and investing on Web2 and, and traditional technologies. Um, but with the STO and with the tokenization, we were exposed to this market and, and understood all of its potential. And, and this totally pivoted our business 
uh, in a sense that uh, we have 11 portfolio companies and six of those 11 companies are now crypto companies, right? So in 2020, we didn't invest in any crypto companies. Last year, we invested in, in four out of five investments, right? So it's a big part of what we do nowadays. And uh, we don't see it moving forward without, without crypto, right? Maybe talk a bit about those investments that you've made the last couple of years. Like what type of teams or, or companies are you looking or catch your eye really that kind of fit your thesis? Yeah, uh, we, we are very, we have a ge very generalistic approach uh, when investing. I'd say what joins all the thesis that we work uh, when investing uh, is usually positive unit economics. I think uh, that's the big differential when we are talking about value investing, uh, especially in, in this certain stage. So in the end, uh, the math needs to work out for that business to produce, you know, make $1 worth uh, $2 after it goes through, through their pipeline. So we started off investing uh, AI thesis. Uh, we have a corporate AI company called Fleewoo, uh, and we have an ed, ed tech that uses AI to optimize learning. Um, then we went for a thesis investing in social commerce. We believe that, you know, like, the, the local e-commerce model is very uh, similar to the American model when, you know, Brazilians and Latins, they need a closer relationship, a closer touch. So these tools in social commerce are essential. Um, then we start investing a part, like a pre-care pre medical approach. So we invested in W Dental, which is like insurance uh, technology company um, for, for teeth care. Right in Brazil, you have the most amount of dentists in the world, and then we started the crypto thesis. Right, so in the crypto thesis, uh, we invest in what we call Web 2.5, where we use technologies that are developed uh, in the Web 3 space, but access to demand in the Web 2 space. Right, we think the demographic is still in the Web 2 space, but all, a lot of these tools they are very interesting to to generate income. Right, so we have two mining plays, uh, one in Bitcoin with Arthur in one in uh, Helium with uh, Ilius. And uh, we have a, a, a credit, a DeFi credit company called Credits. And we have Hashtags, right? Which is the, I think one of the first ETF issuers uh, in Latin America for crypto. Yeah, so I think of all the companies that you rattle off there, I find the Helium uh, Ilios play to be kind of most interesting. Uh, I know that was a fairly recent investment, maybe in the last couple of months that you made. And Helium just is just one of these platforms that it really kind of hits that web 2.5 thesis nicely. Maybe talk a bit about just what got you excited about this particular uh, investment. We started studying Helium because of our overview of the sector, understanding the kind of, again, this mining technology, how it applies to real world economies and, and providing incentives to real world projects. And Helium, I think, is that perfect case. And we looked at the map at the time and it was ridiculous because you had all of North America covered, uh, most of Europe, a lot of Asia covered, and you had like a blank spot in South America and we didn't understand why. So at the time we, we made the map and said, look, this is super profitable. Let's buy some miners and install them. But uh, there were no miners for sale. Everything was, was, was sold out and you had a supply chain problem at the time. So we said, look, let's uh, develop this business of mining helium together with one of our companies that came through our pipeline that was an expert in uh, LoRaWAN, which is the, the core technology in helium, right? 
So we joined up with these guys uh, and decided to build out uh, these miners locally to explore this technology. So uh, what we, we were doing there is creating the opportunity and the capacity to invest capital in something that didn't have capacity because you couldn't buy a thousand miners, it was impossible. In the end of the day, the, the business kind of pivoted a lot because uh, Lora is not, uh, I think, the, the end, end game for Helium and we don't want to deploy a lot of capital in uh, old technology. So what we're doing now is we're adapting the model um, to be possible to mine in Lora and possible to mine in 5G, impossible to mine in Wi-Fi and all of these new kind of protocols that Helium is implementing along the way. And we want to be, you know, Helios wants to be the, the, you know, the, the core partner for Helium in Latin America when developing these local hardwares and local devices. That's super cool. And that's interesting that you know that, you know, you've arrived at this, realizing that there's a, there's a demand here just based on looking at the market and, and Helium. And I think a lot of these other kind of web 2.5 type of plays, there's, there's North America, there's Europe, there's Southeast Asia or East Asia. And that's where most, the, the map is covered in other places in between, but like, it's really those three regions of the world that are the most represented, get the most attention. Latin America seems to be fairly underrepresented with a lot of these technologies. Uh, I mean, just, I was even, I've even just had this conversation earlier today. My, my day job, I work with Filecoin Foundation and we were talking about like, we don't have like basically, Latin America is like a total blind spot for us. We have like nothing there, right? It's one of these things where I, I think your, your thesis is probably on point in the sense that like, if you can get in early, like this is going to be a big market. Uh, there's a lot of need here. There's a lot of demand. And if you can get in early, like the opportunity is pretty large, basically. Yeah. And 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 we have kind of this thesis in, in Fuse where we like to be the local operating company for partner for these companies, right? So we have an investment in the UK and uh, we, we help them develop the business locally. And along the last year, we've been talking with these ones and, and, and these companies that need nodes to be actually decentralized. To, to establish a, a point in, in Latin America, right? Because if we take a look, for example, at the, I don't know, Polkadot uh, node network, it's extremely concentrated in, in Western Europe, extremely. If you take a look at uh, Solana, they don't have any nodes in, in South America. A uh, Filecoin, I imagine, as you told, the same. So when you're talking about decentralization and censorship resistance, it's extremely important that you are, you know, spread out geographically. And Latin America is, a, is a, a relevant part of the globe, right? And, and it makes a lot of sense to develop this infrastructure in Latin America as well. I mean, kind of, kind of moving along here, um, you're, as I mentioned before, like you're, you're the first Brazilian venture capitalist I've interviewed on this show. And I, so I, I just want to apologize maybe if some of these questions are a bit elementary, but I want to make sure our listeners are able to walk away with kind of a base layer understanding of just like how the the Brazil venture capital ecosystem functions, even though I I appreciate that you're not, you don't identify yourself as a venture capital firm, but you're kind of doing, you're an investment firm, right? So maybe could you just kind of describe for us, describe for somebody who's familiar generally with the world of VCs investing, but just not familiar with like this part of the world, how would you describe the, the Brazilian market? So the Brazilian market evolved a lot. Okay, Aaron, like uh, when, when I, I started investing back in Brazil, was, I don't know, early 2011, 2012, you had four or five funds, uh, the capital very concentrated. The, the funding ladder was totally incomplete, right? You had a lot of capital for early stage and late stage, but nothing in the middle. 
Uh, I'd say during the last uh, two years, uh, the market developed like crazy, right? So I think the the, um, the economic environment uh, made this possible, right? The amount of liquidity, the lack of interest rates in Brazil, you have really historically really high interest rates. And during the last uh, couple of years, they have been extremely low. So the market went from four or five top funds uh, to now, I believe they're around uh, 250 funds. So yeah, I, I'd say Brazil is extremely arbitraged. So there is a lot of capital. Um, I'd say there is more capital than good opportunities nowadays. Um, so I feel that it's already a mature market in a way that you have the full funding ladder. Uh, good projects will get funded and will have uh, perspective. But you know we are living now in a, in a environment where you know rates are back up. Um, people are not as excited of VC as they were. Uh, we had a problem last year that where we had uh, around the five or six tech IPOs, we never had a tech IPO and, and they were very poor companies, you know, like uh, companies that we wouldn't invest in the early stage, they were doing IPOs. And of course they performed horribly uh, when IPO. So that closed the public markets for, for tech companies, but it's a more developed market, more players, more capital, uh, know a little bit better how has the emergence of or the entrance of like the SoftBank latin america fund um you know how, how has, has that had any kind of material impact or is that just kind of another another you know because i obviously it's a big name it's you know they've made kind of their you know they make the headlines people tend to follow what they do um has that had any kind of material impact on the region or is it is it more just sort of a show for sure for sure like uh we see a, a big difference uh in valuations, uh, when these guys are active, uh, we see a big difference in the number of players that, you know, like satellite around them, um, just to try to, to get deals that, that they will be interested in, and then they would have infinite capital to deploy. Um, it makes a huge difference, but uh, we also don't know where SoftBank is now, right? Uh, there's been a lot of changes with the organization, and, and uh, I think there is a lot of uncertainty on, on the path forward for them. And that's a point of concern for the market, right? Because they were a big part of the funding ladder, especially for mid to late stage, right? Hmm. And then with regards to crypto specifically, like crypto companies specifically, how many, I mean, you mentioned there's roughly like, you know, 250 VCs or firms that are undertaking kind of early stage investing, approximately of how many of these companies are really actively seeding crypto companies, either at early stage or mid stage? I'd say like none of them have a, a dedicated fund, okay? None of them are dedicated to crypto and, and delivering value to, to these companies. We are the first comp firm that that's setting up a crypto dedicated fund and and, uh, and are fully focused on this thesis. Um, I'd say that a player that dedicates some time to this and has done some, some relevant investments, I'd say Valor Capital. Um, they've been on it for a while with a part of their portfolio. But uh, we don't see a lot of other people. I imagine that, like, uh, of course, again, the moment for crypto is also not attracting a lot of uh, new investors, right? So I'd say if, if we were living, you know, market tops uh, again this year and everything was going fine, I imagine there would be another five, six, seven funds trying to, trying to go after this. But at this time, I don't see anyone else. So I want to kind of dig into this a little bit, but I mean, why do you think this is? I mean, obviously, the current market conditions, notwithstanding, obviously, like this isn't the time when people are going to be springing up these types of funds. But 
we had 18 month bull, you know, kind of bull slash bullish run there where at least in North America and, you know, Western Europe and Asia, everybody was leaving to become a VC, right? <laughs> like everybody's like, everybody's going to like start their own fund or join a fund or whatever. It's like everybody's becoming a crypto VC and just kind of curious as to why this didn't catch on in Brazil. Is it, is it still, there's just better opportunities elsewhere or maybe a lack of education or maybe like the FOMO hasn't fully penetrated you know, the Brazilian market or why do you think that is? Yeah, I, I, I don't have a concrete answer for you, but I think that in Brazil, you have still like, uh, you have a lot of crypto adoption, but you don't have a lot of crypto entrepreneurs. So we have like, a, I don't know, last year we looked at uh, 1200 companies out of those uh, around 35 to 40% were crypto companies and not even 5% of those in Brazil. So I feel there is still a lot, lack of entrepreneurs uh, interested in, in, in building out crypto companies in the region. Maybe a regulation problem. I, I don't think so. I think it's more of a, of a human resources problem, okay, uh, um, more than anything. But uh, I don't see a, a structural reason for why this didn't happen in Brazil. Uh, and, and what I think it's not going to happen now. That that was my point earlier. Is that you know people like building out these funds when it's expensive and buying expensive stuff, and no one likes to invest in in the downturn buying it when it's cheap, right? So I think we're still going to be one of the only crypto dedicated funds in the region for a little while. Sure, no, that makes sense. You know, I, I guess like you know, there's the entrepreneur, the typical Brazilian entrepreneur. Maybe they're they're focused on like other verticals aside from crypto at this point. There are teams or historically, even whether it's today in the current conditions or, you know, the past 18 months, if there are Brazilian teams that are looking for funding, like is, is the first option to go to somebody like yourself or is the first option that these teams would, would they want to go toward one of the big sort of US funds or something or, or, or like what sort of, what, where's, what's the first place that these folks go look for funding if they've got an idea that they're trying to get, get financed? Yeah, I, ideally I like to say with, with us because we are at the very bottom of the funding ladder, right? We'll do pre-seed seed stages and before even anything is built out. Um, and then they can give the next step towards the, the bigger funds uh, and go through, through these guys that are a little bit larger. But uh, yeah, a lot of these projects, they, they are kind of uh, agnostic to VCs also, right? And, and they don't want to touch a lot of VC money being more community funded. Um, that's also a way to go. So I think in crypto, you're able to go both ways. I don't see what, what's better, right? And then going back, kind of touching on the bear market here, is this sort of reevaluating or causing you to reevaluate any of your theses around crypto or your, your web 2.5 thesis doing that where it looks like we're in for probably everyone has their own opinion on how long this is going to last, but at least, you know, six, 12 months, whatever it might be. How is this kind of affecting your investment strategy here and your theses? And are you, you know, are you considering kind of shifting over into more, you know, kind of non-crypto verticals, just given kind of the state of the market, or are you seeing this as, Hey, this is the time we want to double down on the fluff is sort of, you know, kind of getting chased out. And we, this is our chance to really focus on, on and find some really, really hidden gem companies. Yeah. So we are very data driven. Okay. Very numbers driven. And, and we are able to do that because we already have a portfolio of traditional companies and we have a portfolio of crypto companies uh, in the, in the first fund. So what we've been doing is measuring returns between the full portfolio, including crypto and the portfolio, just crypto focused. So uh, what we measure there is that we have like an IRR for the, the full fund around the 35% a year. If we segregate just crypto, that IRR goes to 7x, <laughs> goes to like 700%. 
okay? Because they were the last companies that we invested in, they had like a huge jumps in valuation. So the numbers are telling us, look, uh, this thesis is, is working, this kind of Web.2 thesis and the money is there. And that is the reason why we are doubling down and creating a fund just for Web3, so Web3 focused. And we are kind of in a rush to, 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 to bring money capital into this fund because we see a lot of unpriced opportunities, right? And, and low priced opportunities, which when the market was at all times highs, they were super expensive. So we, we are more in the thesis that look, this, this thesis works, this crypto thesis works, there is money to be made here really quickly. And we, we need capital now to allocate because the opportunities are, are on the table, right? Um, there are companies looking for us that we like and, and that we need to deploy capital as quick as possible. And where are you looking to raise this capital from? Like who are your, your LPs or GPs? So traditionally our, our, our LPs have been uh, mostly family offices uh, from the region. Um, we've also fought for this fund have been working more with uh, corporations that want some exposure to this market, want to learn more about this market um, and have access to a privileged pipeline. So we've been doing a mix of uh, family offices and corporations to raise capital for this. Now you're, you're seeing that there's still a steady trickle of demand for from these entities, even given kind of the state of the market and some of the uncertainties. Is this are these folks that are they're, they're seeing this as a longer term play rather than short-term volatility, essentially? So for sure, the demand is not the same as if uh, the market was not in a bear market, right? But I think uh, for a, uh, the, the professional investor and more of the institutional capital, they understand that this is a long-term product and that they are probably buying close to low prices. So in a five-year window, which is the, the maturity of the fund, uh, at these prices, it's, it's, it's difficult for them to, to lose money vis-a-vis uh, -vis if they were coming in in, a, in the high end of the markets, it was, it was more probable, let's say like that. So there's one of the big kind of meta themes in Brazil right now that I've, I've been focusing a lot with my, my newsletter, my podcast is really kind of like the retail sort of like there's a big land grab for retail investors and users at this point amongst all the different local exchanges and the international exchanges and now the Itaú and, and XP Investimentos and the Nubank and all these guys are all kind of launching their own consumer focused, you know, retail focused crypto applications on ramps. Uh, but there's not a whole lot really said about uh, kind of like, you know, the traditional finance, the like, you know, the family offices, kind of the, like the traditional investor, high net worth folks. Whereas, um, you know, at least in the US here, there's you know, every crypto conference you go to, or, you know, podcasts you listen to, people are out there banging the drum of like, oh, the institutions are coming, like the Wall Street guys are coming. And I don't quite Maybe, maybe I'm not listening to the right channels, but like, I don't quite get that sense in Brazil that this is something that the, the traditional finance sort of tycoons are trampling over themselves to get into. But I was wondering if you could maybe give some color on how is this market perceived amongst kind of that class of like traditional sort of finance and traditional investor, uh, that class of folks. What, what I feel of talking about this with, uh, you know, hedge funds from the region, we, we have a lot of relationships with hedge funds, institutional uh, family offices, is that they are very, very skeptic uh, of, of the potential of this, right? What, what I feel is that Brazil is not a good market for, for the benefits of crypto, right? They are not very obvious in Brazil. As some background, Brazil, you have, uh, you have peaks, for example, which is a, a 
application developed by the central bank where you have instant money transfer built on you know private and public keys very similar to to bitcoin or, or the blockchain right so you don't have the problems that even developed markets have uh, to create the kind of demand uh, for crypto uh, that people will see it in, in everyday life. So you need to go for more deeper uses. And of course, that those are more complex, uh, even for, for institutional players. So we see a lot of, uh, of skepticism uh, from institutional players. Uh, we also think that Brazilian institutional players are usually late movers uh, when they come to technology, right? Uh, as I told you before, like we just had the first round of, uh, of tech IPOs and they were horrible. So that scares away even more people. Um, so I, I don't see, as, as you said, I don't see the demand or the rush to get into this um, for, from institutional players. What we are seeing, okay, and this is, I think, a silver lining, is corporations uh, are understanding that this technology will disrupt their businesses in the future. Uh, so uh, we are seeing not Wall Street, right? Uh, not Faria Lima, as we say here, rush into this uh, technology, but we are seeing a lot of corporations wanting to add know-how uh, and understand what's happening in crypto and understanding where they can get hurt and where they can get benefit from, from this technology evolving and this market evolving, okay? so. A little bit different uh, than, than I think we see in the U.S., where you, you have hedge funds, you know, traditional hedge funds building out, you know, crypto hedge funds to, to address this. We have more of a traditional kind of, uh, you know, uh, place, uh, companies uh, investing uh, to understand the, the applicabilities. Well, that's super helpful. I appreciate that color. And this is definitely kind of a theme I'm, I'm hoping to touch on a bit more on just on future newsletters and future podcasts is like, what's kind of the, the differentiation here? Because it's a, it's a very different vibe than what we hear in the US where it's price of Bitcoin at 20,000. It's people on crypto Twitter and wherever are like, oh, it's, the big funds are still buying. Like, you know, the big whales are still buying, the, the institutions are still buying. So it's, just, it's kind of a different narrative, right? So it, I, I'm interested to kind of explore that more, you know, as, as this market withers on here. You know, I, I guess... What are you maybe like most excited about for the next sort of, you know, six, 12 months here over this next cycle, particularly as it pertains to crypto, but I mean, I guess you could, you can expand it if you want, but what are, what are you most excited about? What projects are you, maybe you have something in the pipeline that you're really excited about, or is there a certain vertical or certain area within crypto you're really excited about? Um, I mean, what, what kind of excites you most about like just looking ahead the next few months here? I think there are two lines that we are already starting, like two pieces that we're starting to explore with this new fund. First of all, I, I see a lot of opportunities in, in, in wallets, okay? So I think uh, we have one main wallet in this market, that's MetaMask, and you know, there's a, a lot of, of users that still can be developed, uh, and specifically when you're, talk, you're talking about niche uses, right? So a wallet for gaming, a wallet for the metaverse, a wallet for NFT collecting, and a wallet for DeFi. I think wallets are only a front end, right, for your, your blockchain and, and your, your address. So you can develop an amount of wallets and you're all going to be centralized uh, in that address. So it's just a front end. So a lot of experience and, and user interaction can be developed there. So I think that's one theme that I'm super excited about. Um, another theme that I think it's been, you know, mainstream now for the last couple of weeks is the part, part of uh, identity in the blockchain or what Vitalik exposed as a soulbound, you know, kind of NFTs and, and tokens. 
But I think that address is one of the biggest problems in this market where you don't have you know, identity, you, have, uh, you can have any amount of accounts that you want. Um, it's hard to attribute you know, real life kind of, uh, kind of experiences or relationships on the blockchain. Blockchain nowadays, it's only a financial kind of uh, exposure of, that you have. So you're just as important as the amount of money that you have. And that doesn't illustrate you know, real life at all. So we believe that you know, new governance models will appear based on expertise, not based in, in financial capacity. Um, new types of uh, social networking will appear based on, on this type of, of experience. So I think that all kind of, even the, those teams, they kind of go around the, the same part that are, is like, uh, there's gonna be new experiences beyond finance in crypto. Um, and I only think that crypto can become, become mainstream if you go beyond finance. I, 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 I truly understand why you would go to finance first because it's the most digital market you have, right? Money is all digital. It's easy to, to relate. But when you start drilling down and, and understanding what life is made of and what people, you know, uh, people's experiences are made of, finance is a very small part. So uh, I'm excited about that. Well, I think that helps, that thesis kind of helps to explain the popularity of NFTs vis-a-vis -vis things like DeFi, right? Where the market or the, the on-ramp, the ability to understand things like collectibles and things is much easier to understand than things like, you know, complex, uh, you know, <laughs> decentralized finance transactions and lending protocols and market making and all these things. It's just over the head of most people to understand, right? If you're not, if you don't actually work in finance, these things are all, all, all a foreign language to you. Yeah, Aaron. And, and, and I think when you talk about Web 2.5, that's where you start to make the connections, right? So real life experiences, how do you bring this onto the blockchain? How do you verify this in the blockchain without compromising uh, privacy is a big issue, right? So that's where we want to stick to. Absolutely. Ken, to wrap up here, I'd like to give you the last word and I'd like to just ask you, you know, what type of projects are you looking at specifically? Like if, are there certain types of people that you're certain types of projects you're really excited to meet with or, or you know, get pitch decks from or, um, you know, and how, how can folks get best get in touch with you? So we are looking at uh, pre-token projects, right? So if you don't have a token issued, uh, if you're early stage, uh, we, we like projects that are really early stage and they already have the team but uh, are still working on developing the business we invest globally so we're not uh, stuck to brazil or to latin america we invest throughout the world uh, of course we have kind of a special edge for latin america and projects that want to come work in latin america so that's uh, something that we invest more uh, people can find us on linkedin Fuse Capital, you uh, can find me on Twitter, it's uh, João Zekin, first name, last name, or through our website, right, fuse.capital. I think those are the best ways to find us and get in contact. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, João, for your time, and uh, look forward to doing this again sometime, and maybe well, maybe once the bear market's over, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do a redux here. So <laughs> thank you for your time. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, hope we have a... Uh, uh, swift bear market and everyone survives. Yes, indeed. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Obrigado, everyone, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.